keeping that mentality of being a, a continuous learner probably sounds a bit cliche, but I've, I've noticed people that are much older than me and more experienced that there's a, a different nature about someone when they really feel strongly about they want to understand and keep learning versus feeling like they've made it and that they know it all. That's a, a key foundation to what I've tried to model. Have I always been perfect? No, but I think that continuous learning is really important. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Genesis. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high, healthy, registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Phil Ford. Phil is um, the director of sow production and research for Ford Family Farms. Hi, Phil. How are you today? I'm doing well. Nice to be with you today. Nice to be with you as well. Well, Phil, um, I know a bit about your family background, but if you wouldn't mind sharing that with our audience a little bit, I think that would be a great start to our conversation. Yeah, of course. Oh, my family is in uh, our fifth, or if you ask my grandpa, the sixth generation of uh, farming. Uh, we have a 30,000 sow fair to finish uh, swine business in Ohio. Uh, our family also farms uh, about 7,000 acres of row crops and uh, feed uh, 1,000 head of uh, beef cattle annually as well. Um, and that's, that's our main core business that we're doing today. Uh, you mentioned my title, um, Director of Sow Production. That's my current role that I serve on for our company. And um, my main the pigs are easy. It's the people uh, challenges that, uh, that I continue to work with and, and opportunities from that angle as well. Um, but I have enjoyed working in this role for about a year now. And Bill, just to give us a little bit more background, you have a little bit of a unique education background. So while your family farms, you didn't take the typical ag business or agricultural route. So would you mind sharing a little bit about that background? Yeah, my uh, my uh, bachelor's degree is in business finance. So I uh, did not, I grew up on the farm, grew up around the animals, uh, grew up around the business, uh, but decided to take a different path uh, for my college career and uh, spent some time studying finance and uh, business management. I uh, actually did not know that I was going to 
coming be coming back to the farm uh, right away, going to college. Uh, my parents were maybe slightly untraditional in that way. It wasn't like an unspoken expectation. They very much wanted uh, my sisters and I to go to school and uh, pursue whatever we wanted to do. And if we got to the point where we felt interested in coming back to the farm, that the opportunity was there. Uh, with a few stipulations, of course, uh, we, uh, it's kind of a unique thing. We can kind of get into that. Um, maybe some people would be interested. I know there's in family business in general, I think there's that nepotism ish type, uh, approach that is pretty common. Um, uh, but, and, and maybe it could still be viewed that way by certain people. But I think, uh, my parents were say, Hey, work away from the business for a few years. And if you're interested in uh, returning and joining, then that would be great. You do that, or you uh, you come back and you start in a South Farm. So, and you learn the business kind of from fresh eyes and from a fresh perspective, not just uh, from being in those places, but working in them too. And so uh, that's actually the path uh, that I chose and uh, really allowed me to learn the business from a new perspective. I think being away from the farm for a while uh, maybe some people can relate to that as you get new life experiences, new perspectives. And um, so it was a, it was a fun time the first few years of being back at the farm. Yeah, I bet farrowing sows is always an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. And there's a lot of, you know, there's the technique and the process that, you know, that goes into it that I think we sometimes take for granted, right? It's like, well, the sow's going to have pigs and, uh, that's true, but there's also lots of ways we can continue to improve production and productivity and livability of pigs by how we handle them and the processes that go into the farm every day. Absolutely. So, Phil, as we were talking, um, you've, you've talked a little bit about that background where you started basically from the ground up again. And um, we'll go a couple of different directions in our conversation because I actually have a few, but let's first start with um, when you were working in, in those roles and, and still today within your family, this is a multi-generational business. Uh, your family's been in, in a hog business for, for many, many generations, as you mentioned. So how do you handle um, that family dynamic? Because here you are with a different perspective, a different education, quote, the younger generation who has more experience with technology, but yet we have the other family members who have more of what we call that generational experience. And so they've learned from the highs and lows of the business and so forth. So how do you mesh that all together? Well, when someone figures that out, they can let me know for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think our family, my parents, uh, like I told you earlier, really gave us that choice of if we wanted to join the business or not. And so I think that was very foundational when I think about uh, where, where we are today. Um, so my parents are currently leading the swine business and uh, Pat and Janelle are their names. And they, uh, my dad is, is currently the CEO, the president of the business. And my mom um, is, is on the administrative side. Uh, my sister has now joined the business as well. So she uh, works, she chose the option of working away for, for a few years, um, public accounting. And uh, she joined our finance and accounting team. So she helps lead that area now. And me being, you know, kind of choosing path to start uh, from from the beginning and kind of work in, in different departments uh, has allowed me to see things from a, a different perspective, but 
also start to learn from our people that are working with us and that have been alongside my family for quite some time. We have several on our leadership team that have been around since I was couldn't walk, I suppose. Uh, and uh, I always get reminded of that. <laughs> I remember when you were this, this tall, uh, but really it comes down to the perspective of the family. Do they want to involve the next generation or do they not? And I've seen that very much in my parents uh, where they, they had advice and counsel on, you know, do you just want to have your children join because that's a comfortable or an easy thing to do? Or do you want them to be an active participant in the business, uh, not just operationally, but from an ownership and financial perspective? And uh, I think it was a strategic decision that they made on their part to do that. Uh, has it been perfect? Is everything great? You know, all the time, probably, you know, obviously not, but uh, I, th I think it's a, it's been an interesting journey as I've watched other farm families, maybe not have quite that same uh, opportunity that I've had just from the standpoint of the perspective of the family. So I think that's a really key, important piece. Um, and I am going to have to remember that too, as, as we're building a generational business, you mentioned, you know, my family has been in farming for quite some time. Um, and we are we are continuing to operate under the, the aspect that it could still be a generational business. Um, I have two daughters now, and uh, I'm excited. My oldest is almost three, and she absolutely loves getting into barns. And uh, she's at that place where she wants to hold every pig. So, <laughs> but that early exposure is something that I had as well. And even when I was that age, our business looked a lot differently, right? Really, the, the growth of our business has been over the last 20 years, 20, 20 30 years. And uh, being there and, and seeing, the, seeing the good and the bad. What do you think are some keys that have allowed your family to be successful over the generations and through the good and the bad? I think it's the perspective. I said that earlier. I think it's the perspective on why you're in business. Um, that's one thing, especially recently, my parents have really uh, put a focus on is like, why do, why do we do what we do? You know, I think the classic answer is, well, we're creating food. And that's very true. We think about that, um, you know, feeding families through sustainable food production is our, our model, right? Uh, but it's also having a deeper connection to why um why we do what we do do we you know we have people on the team that are we just here to use them as a means to an end to produce the pigs that we need uh, you know they've thought about that differently and set the stage that hey they're without without our team then we don't we don't have the farm anymore i think that's different from the we were talking earlier before we started here a little bit about the, the Charlotte's Web uh, scenario, right? Is that that's the picture storybook view of farming. And the reality is, is that looks so differently today. And so without those people um, that really help make the business run, then then that's not. So it's how you treat them. It's, it's economically, right? What are we producing? What are we making and hoping to make a profit for, right? Uh, is it just to continue the betterment of ourselves financially or is you know, or in their their position is using business as a mission to support humanitarian efforts and um, lots of things that maybe publicly we don't talk a lot about, but that's really a, a, a huge piece of why we continue to do what we do. Absolutely, very good. Um, what about to our to our quote younger generation of of 
farmers or, or people that want to come back to their family farms, what pieces of advice do you have for them? Keep learning and be humble, I think, are the the two that come that I come back to quite a bit. Uh, I've had examples both personally in my life, but then also professionally, people I've met along the way that uh, have helped me learn immense amounts of information, and there's still mountain loads to learn. And keeping that mentality of being a, a continuous learner probably sounds a bit cliche, but I've I've noticed people that are much older than me, more experienced, that there's a, a different nature about someone when they really feel strongly about they want to understand and keep learning versus uh, feeling like they've made it and that they know it all. I think that's that's a, a key foundation to what I've tried to model. Have I always been perfect? No, but I think that continuous learning is really important. Um, I mentioned earlier learning from our people. You know, that's a humbling experience coming in as a family member of a business or even someone that has a degree that they feel like they're highly specialized in, right? There's always things that we can each learn, uh, especially from people around us that may not have had the same uh, experiences that we've had. Yeah. So let's go back to that. You were just talking about working in your different departments and working with people. So you've worked in at least five different departments, I think, since you've been back. And so walk us through maybe some of those departments and what you're noticing in terms of how you bring extra value to your business to keep it sustainable? Yeah. One area that I, uh, so I worked in, in South Farm uh, right when I started back at the business and then I ended up going and working um, on our growing side. So working with nursery pigs, wean pigs up to market and uh, worked with our, our businesses um, on the growing side is made up primarily of contract producers. So I uh, have families that uh, have barns and raise the pigs for us. And so began working uh, with those folks and uh, learned that side of the business, right? So like once the pig leaves the sow barn, what happens? And uh, how do we continue to work with that pig to, to make it to market? And so everything from getting pigs started, I was relearning that, learning that from a new perspective, managing that at multiple different locations, right? Having different barns that I was responsible for during that period, um, all the way up to marking pigs, you know, marking the right ones to get on the truck. And, you know, we sit here today and we laugh about that, but that is the core of what we do every single day. And I have immense amount more respect and, and insight into how that process goes um, than if I were to have joined. And it's not a right or wrong way. I just, I really value having that experience that I was able to have. Uh, maybe at the time when I was marking 10 loads a day or something that I didn't enjoy it as much, but uh, you, you get what I'm saying as far as it's, uh, that stuff doesn't leave you. It, it only helps, helps to have a better understanding and perspective. Um, another area I worked in was, was HR, what we call team member services, and spend time hiring, interviewing and hiring. And uh, up until recently, we had hired all local individuals. So it was very much, um, you know, local marketing campaigns. Uh, a lot of a good chunk of our percentage of our people, even today, that come to us locally have never worked on a farm. They don't have perspective of the farm. So that process of getting them introduced to what the farm is like from that Charlotte's Web situation, that storybook, 
is uh, a challenge in and of itself. And so today I have, I work really closely with our, our TMS HR team today, um, being in my role and having a good chunk of our employees uh, under my belt, if you will, when it comes to from a management structure, organizational structure, I, I think that they have a key and crucial role in the success, uh, not only of getting people hired, but that retaining of those people and helping them to have a, a team member experience that would be reflective of what we as a family desire to, to have and to how to treat our people. Um, so those were just two kind of uh, key areas that I, I was able to help out and, and work in. And I think it was also more helpful to me as even that was just me uh, doing the task, right? Being a, a body, if you will, to get that work done. It was really foundational to my understanding of the business as it is today. I agree. I think you have to be in the barns. You have to see what you're asking others to do to understand one, is it feasible? Two, is it you know something that, that even makes sense? at that level and it builds that respect right it becomes that mutual relationship as you're discussing so i, I do agree with you i think that's invaluable time for a, for an owner um some of the other things too that you've been a little bit closely involved with is the change of your nutrition program and and even some in-house research and development and i i think that's really interesting because you're you know, you're at 30,000 sows and I work with other people kind of at that level and there's, well, should we have research? Should we not? We know there's value, but we're not really sure what to do with it. So maybe expand a little bit more on what you're doing there in terms of nutrition and that research and development piece. Absolutely. So I naturally went into kind of this whole moving from different areas, different departments to uh, sitting down and we said, what is screaming the loudest may not be what is needed the most. So I say that now, and it, what it meant was economically, the way that we are able to be profitable in the business is obviously through the right genetics and the right health and um, the, the right team in place. But nutrition, you know, 60, 70 plus percent of the cost to raise a pig is in that. And up until that point, it had all been external. And it was working great. Um, we had had several relationships prior to me uh, being involved with the business uh, that, that got us to where we were at that point. But uh, looking at it and saying, well, what is the opportunity here economically and, and, and looking at what we could accomplish just in our 30,000 SaaS system? Because you're right, you're kind of on that brink of does it make sense to have in-house or does it not? And how do you leverage those resources uh, while still maintaining external consultants and uh, vendors and things of that nature. So got down to it. We said, well, let's start it in a nursery. So we started the nursery. Um, I carried 50-pound bags of feed uh, for a long time until I said, well, let's time to invest in a, in a specific you know, uh, research feeding system and, and had done that, um, hired a team to, to do some of that and had also at the same time started a, a 2400 head finisher under research as well, added bins and scales. And it's not just something you dream up and say, hey, we're going to do tomorrow. It's kind of takes that uh, seeing what the potential may be. But economically, if there's producers out there, or maybe there's uh, people working, uh, listeners working in companies that may be of the same size or even slightly larger that haven't been considering that yet, I think it's a really powerful tool to have in your toolbox where 
we have a question. We think we know the answer, but let's see what the pigs tell us. Because the pigs are ultimately have the final answer. And uh, I think over my time of being involved, I actually still manage that area now. It's one of my my favorite areas just because I started <laughs> I started it up, but um, it's allowed us to make a lot of decisions that we may not otherwise in terms of how we formulate diets and how we uh, start pigs and what products and additives and other things that we may or may not use. So it's been a really important and crucial tool. I think it's hard too sometimes because we're always so focused on ROI, right? What's our return on the investment? And it's easy to run a study where we try a product and we get a positive response. Well, that's an easy ROI. But I know you run studies all the time, just like the rest of us, where there's no response. And that's part of why we do research, right? Different environment, different feedstuffs, different pigs, whatever can cause a different response. So how do you view those non-responses in terms of your return on investment? How do you, in your business model, build that in? Yeah, sometimes I think it, I have the saying often this is like for every like three or four trials or studies, we, we get the result we were hoping for. But honestly, every study, we get the result we hope for because we, we're either not seeing what we thought we should or we are seeing something we, we thought we may. So I, I don't. Uh, it's hard to just take one particular thing and say, hey, what's this ROI and how is this going to pay for that? I think it's taking a systematic approach and saying, well, for example, so uh, just this past year, we, we are trying some wet dry nursery feeders. We have historically been a very dry nursery feeder system um, and we're about two thirds nursery finishing. So we have quite a bit of nursery space. And so I wanted to challenge that model. If you look at maybe a more European model in some cases where we, we have wet, dry feeding um, more prevalent or even within the US, right? There's some systems that have wet, dry, uh, wean to finish feeding uh, scenarios and just see what the pigs tell us. So I got 12 of those feeders and we're blocking on top of what those are in the pens, you know, in that room and we're watching it. And it's interesting to see, you know, what, what the pigs tell you. Did I have a clear ROI of what that could be when we started? No, uh, but you can extrapolate, okay, if I can get X amount of more pounds on these pigs, well, what does that mean at market? Um, I could have been totally wrong and we, you know, we say, well, that was a bad thing to do, but there's a little bit of that leap of faith, you know, steps that we're taking every time we go and do something that we're not exactly sure. You know, from your point, you know, we're, we're taking a lot of university level trials or studies and we're, we're saying well it worked in that scenario let's try it here so uh it's not um divorcing that that line of work right it's rather building off of that work and that work is so essential especially for products if we think about additives right that may be harder to justify doing a bigger commercial study on and a system like ours um is is able to be done at a at a university level to have a proof of concept per se, or uh, maybe it is reviewing something that hasn't been done or has been done for 20 years or 30 years, doesn't make sense. And so uh, we build upon those, that information that's there to the industry, that's really important. We take that, uh, those learnings and a lot of times it's repeating those things or taking that concept and making it into how that would operate with our nutrition program here. Absolutely. Well, Phil, as we're talking, some of the things that I keep thinking about is, OK, 
hate, and I'm not knocking anything here, but you have a business degree from college and you're talking nutrition and you're talking, I heard you use the word blocking. And so I heard <laughs> you use some things that I think about in terms of research. So how do you go from, from that piece of, of background to switching over to something else, right? It's vital for your business and I'm not teasing you at all about it because I think it's commendable, but for others out there who are considering this, right, this is kind of that unknown, right, that they're going to step into, unknown on how to set studies up unless you've gotten a master's degree in science of some sort. So how did you make that that leap, if you will, into R&D? Yeah, uh, we had historically worked closely with uh, K-State and their nutrition group, and uh, Dr. Steve Dreets there, um, was uh, one of our consulting nutritionists at the time. And I think he took me under his wing as one of his in informal students uh, because I was very green. Um, and by all means, I do not know. Uh, I'm still learning. Uh, I've learned every, every time we do a study, I'm learning new things. Uh, we actually had uh, someone that had went through the K-State uh, master's in nutrition program. And uh, so he joined our staff here about three years ago. Uh, Dwight Schock has been doing a phenomenal job uh, continuing to uh, be creative in ideas. And uh, the execution of these studies is super important because if we're using that data to make decisions, we have to feel like it's being done to the best that we can, that we, we have to believe, believe in the data. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's learning me learning from him as well as uh, several other consultants that we we have and relationships with uh, different different companies and vendors and just taking that learning mentality. I, I think it's uh, it's that leap of faith earlier, but it's also if we look at any other business, it's probably a really good uh, area to spend a little bit of time, not just money. It's also time and further understanding and pushing into it a little bit being uh, inquisitive about it. I think that's just how I went about it. Uh, maybe that's me as a person in my nature is, is just asking a bunch of questions, but I think it's vitally important to the uh, business as a whole, since we are uh, breeding sows, we're farrowing pigs, we're raising those pigs for market, that we have a good understanding of how we should best feed them. And it's a constant learning process. <laughs> oh yes yeah pigs teach me something new every day so you're not alone <laughs> genetic improvement and like changes in nutrition profiles of different feedstuffs like it's all changing even if yeah we could go on for days about that i guess but <laughs> absolutely yeah especially with markets yeah. as they are right now right so oh, that, yeah. that's a whole nother podcast for another day <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which would be interesting right talk about how producers are are preparing for for the differences. But um, as we wrap up our time today, really around your family business model and, and what you're doing there within the business to, to expand and ensure that you're moving forward for that next generation of, of family farming, do you have any key points or takeaway points that you'd like our audience to, to remember from today? Yes, uh, can't put enough value in having the right people and, and valuing people that way. Um, not just looking at uh, numbers, you know, our business, if we just looked at growth from a, we're going to add another farm this year, instead of really focusing in on, on health and on uh, just 
sheer productivity of the animals that we do have and making sure we're being as as uh, intense with that as we can be uh, to ensure that we're, we're garnishing that value um, out of every pig. I think regardless of how many animals you're raising, uh, that's really important and probably was, or it's not probably, it was very strategic on my parents' part. And, and as I've joined the business is, there's been opportunities to add animals, but does that really contribute to, are we in the place where we can accept that and accept that new responsibility of doing? So being intentional uh, with that, I think is a really important, regardless of what business that you're in is uh, tackling quantity over quality doesn't always uh, give the best results. I think another uh, key aspect is leveraging relationships that you have in the industry um, and not leveraging them in a, in a bad way, but leveraging them for the best and learning from each other in those scenarios. I think maybe one more controversial thing that would be done that, that my family has done is try to be a transparent with our lenders. And um, from a business side is have people look at, look at the books. Let's, how do we improve these areas? How do we, what are things that we're not foreseeing? And um, yeah, looking at them as key contributors to the success of the business versus looking at them as people nagging you from, from a standpoint of working capital per animal or, uh, you know, looking at them as a limiting factor. They're there as a guidepost, I think, a lot of times uh, to, to being a strong business, not, you know, we've been talking a lot about production, but there's a big side of the business that uh, has to be done from, from a financial side and being on top of that. And farmers are required to be experts in a lot of things. I think that's the other thing here that has kind of been an undertone is, you know, health, genetics, nutrition, finance, management, you know, community and government relations, technology, you know, you name it, we could list off a bunch of things that um, people in agriculture, folks that work in agriculture have to be focused on. And so finding those people that, that are, um, are hungry uh, not only to learn, but to share. And I think those are, those are things I strive, strive for. And I think what's helped make our business to be what it is today, as I've been learning. I think those are great key points for sure for the audience to think about and take home, whether it's to a small family farm or even to the large corporations, just to look at a little differently. So very good viewpoints. It is time to our famous three. Vivonic stands for a holistic and sustainable value proposition for livestock production. It combines products and services and leverages digital solutions. This is all backed with high value consultancy and deep customer understanding. Ivonic turns science-based efficient nutrition, sustainable healthy nutrition, and precision livestock farming into value for customers and consumers. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. Well, Phil, as we wrap up our time, um, some of the things that we traditionally do is we ask our guest speaker a couple of questions. They're always, everybody gets the same questions. So the first question we ask is, do you have a resource that you might use associated with swine that you would recommend to the audience? Yeah, uh, there's resources, everything from Ohio, like for us, right? It'd be the Ohio Pork Producers Council. They're kind of uh, regurgitating information that's getting put out every day. Um, as uh, 
an MPPC SIP investor, we get uh, information from the MPPC side. I think that's a really important thing that I, I skim every day. Um, there's a lot of, I primarily, my source of information is quick email snippets of, of information. And then if something piques my interest and can read further into it, but I think uh, either someone has way too much time on their hands, if they can read everything, uh, but uh, or you're not interested at all. So I think staying somewhat connected and close to what's happening in industry is important. Yeah, very good. How about something that's not swine related? Is there a book or a resource that you might recommend to the group? Yeah, so we have a group of 25 of our um, highest level of people within the business, right? So this is everything from crop farming to our feed milling side to um, obviously sow and finishing portion um, and kind of everywhere between office and everything. And we just got done reading uh, a book called Becoming Person of Influence uh, by John Maxwell. And it's an old book. It's not a new book. It's not a, a new sexy book. But uh, ultimately, there's a lot of things in that that uh, really becomes how to replicate yourself in as a leader and other people and becoming someone that they want to follow versus someone that they have to follow. And I've, I've gained, there's so many nuggets in that book. It's, it's kind of one of those things where you get overwhelmed by how many things you're not doing, but taking, uh, we went around the room for a bit last week and said, Hey, what are some key things that everyone, you know, what are some, some fun things or key things that everyone took away from? And, uh, I think that's, that's one book that I've really enjoyed recent reading recently. Becoming Person of Influence by John Maxwell. I'll have to look in that one. I don't recognize that one. So it's an older one. That's what I, you have to dust, get the dust off the top, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes those are good. So, yeah, I'll take a look and see if I can find that one. Um, the last question we ask is really if, if you can envision somebody in your life that, that you've defined as successful, what's a characteristic that you believe has allowed them to be successful? Yes. In America, we think of success and maybe most places of the world, we think of success as economic success. Uh, my family has had the opportunity to be in Central America, some with just some humanitarian and uh, uh, type work that we do there. I think that the thing that I've come away with is that even regardless of the situation that they're in, they have joy. And so having joy or having just happiness in general we have a lot of things in this industry that can get us down, you know, grain as hard farmers, right? Grain prices up. Um, you know, of course it's nice to have some, some good market pricing, but we've got a lot of, we've had a lot of disease in the industry uh, here over the last several years. And obviously the looming ASF uh, issue, and there's a lot of reasons to, to maybe get a little bit down. And so I am constantly reminded of, you know, choosing that happiness, choosing that joy and having, uh, you know, their worth be in who they are as a person and, and things they're contributing to the world versus it being something economic. And I really enjoy that uh, yeah. characteristic of people. And I think you're off to a good start taking your daughter into the farrowing house and watching her whole baby pigs is full of happiness right there. So that's a, yes. it's a great example. I have way too many pictures on my phone of that. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. That's awesome. Though. That's that's exactly why we do what we do, right? So that's right. That's um, right. For sure. Well, thank you, Phil, for your time today. We greatly appreciate it. You've given us some great insight and some things for many people to consider. 
So uh, again, we thank you and wish you all the best with your family business. Thanks. Nice to be with you today. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.